Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today is going to be a really fun, packed episode, so let's get to it. First, let's get started with the question segment. Therefore, an answer to your question this week if I could chat with any Kennedy family member still living or not, who would it be and why? I feel like I've been asked this before, so if I've already answered it, then my bad. But it's one of my favorite questions I get, so I'm going to answer it again. Everyone always guesses that I would say Jack, but that would actually be the wrong guess because it's definitely Jackie. Only, I'm sure because of her very private personality, she wouldn't really give me any details or anything, but it would still be awesome to just sit in her presence. So definitely my answer. Let's move on to the In the News segment. Big news story of the past seven days. Today's big Kennedy-related news of the week is that Caroline and Jack Schlossberg announced this year's Profile and Courage Award recipient and its Senator Mitt Romney for, and I quote from Today.com, being the only Republican to vote to convict former President Donald Trump during his first impeachment trial in 2020. Here's a clip of them on the Today Show discussing why he was their choice. Senator Romney is like the senators in my father's book. He was willing to risk his career and um, his popularity within his own party to do what's right for our country, to follow his conscience, and I think his courage is an example for all of us. And Jack, I'm told that you were particularly passionate about the senator getting this award. Why? He showed us all that uh, courage and faith and integrity aren't outdated uh, and that politics can still be a noble profession. So that's why we honor Profiles in Courage and we celebrate them because they inspire us all to be better. He will receive the award in May. And now it's time for the inspiring clip of the week. One of the inspiring notes. This week, I chose President Kennedy's remarks he made at the airport when he arrived in Paris on May 31st, 1961, because it was the start of the tour where along the way they visited Buckingham Palace. And for some reason, I just felt like that was fitting. So here you go. General de Gaulle members of his government. Madame de Gaulle, I want to express on behalf of my wife and myself our most uh, generous appreciation of your welcome today. I come from America, the daughter of Europe, to France, which is America's oldest friend. But long before my country was born, French influence, French philosophy, French culture led the Western world to such a degree that the first American ambassador to Paris, Benjamin Franklin, could say, every man has two countries, France and his own. But I come today not because merely past ties and past friendship, but because the present relationship between France and the United States is essential for the preservation of freedom around the globe. I come also because of the grandeur of France's present mission, the productivity of her workers, the brilliance of her universities, the vigor of her leaders. In my office in recent weeks, I have received many envoys of new countries. Many of them spoke French, the language of free men. 
So, General, it is an honor to come and visit you today. You have been a captain in the field in the defense of the West for more than 20 years. Your vigor, your leadership, your long sense of history are needed now more than ever in the past. France and the United States have been associated in the past in many great causes. But I can think of no more happy cause than to be associated together in the climactic moment in the defense of freedom. Now let's get to our topic. We've really been hearing a lot about the royal family lately, haven't we? Well, you're about to hear some more. <laughs> so my husband and I have been watching The Crown, and I know we are so late to the party here, but it's very good and we are loving it. Anyway, in season two, episode eight, which I watched a while back, but recently rewatched since I'm actually to that place in the show, it covers the visit President Kennedy and Jackie made to Buckingham Palace for dinner in 1961 on their European tour, then shows another meeting Jackie made solo in 1962. Basically in the episode, the queen is super jealous of Jackie in every sense. Then the Kennedys visit and the Queen loves Jackie, then gets word that Jackie talked a bunch of crap about her at the dinner party after the visit, then the Queen gets bold and makes big steps in foreign policy, then Jackie comes back to apologize about what she said and claims she was under the influence of one of Dr. Feelgood's shot cocktails at the party she was at and says stuff she didn't mean and that she was sorry. And side note, if you want to hear a bit about Dr. Max Jacobson, aka Dr. Feelgood, then check out the episode on Jack's health from a few weeks ago. And if you really want to understand the full scope of what I'm going to talk about, you may want to go watch the episode of The Crown that I'm talking about and then continue listening afterwards. So all this to say, I was a bit shocked by a few things in the episode and that's what I'm going to talk about. One, would the Kennedys really not have learned how to properly beat the Queen? In the show, they fumbled the entire thing and that just didn't seem right to me at all considering their upbringing and overall respect for other cultures and traditions. Two, would Jackie have really spoken that poorly about her? In the show, she was rude about the palace, her looks and demeanor, and I just have doubts that Jackie would offend someone so publicly in their own country at a dinner party where someone could obviously hear and it get back to her. Now, I know Jackie liked to gossip. The Schlesinger tapes proved that. But what was portrayed in the show just seemed a bit extra to me. And three, did Jackie really admit to the queen marital troubles, anxiety, and drug use? I just don't see all that being admitted from what I've studied. Also, side note, I hate the way the show portrayed the way Jack would treat Jackie in private. They definitely, in my opinion, took some creative liberties there, which they obviously have a right to do. But I get asked a lot if I think the way the show portrayed them behind closed doors was totally true, and I just don't personally think that was all that accurate. Okay, let's dive into what I found. Today's sources are Reader's Digest, Vanity Fair, The Telegraph, The List, Washington Post, Town & Country, The JFK Library, Refinery29, and NBC News. And yes, I know that is a lot of sources, but I got a little carried away researching this one and I cross-checked a lot. So as always, I encourage you to do some research afterwards about the topics yourself, because for my format and time frame, I may not hit every single point everyone wants covered and you may find more than I did. Plus, keep in mind, The Crown is not a completely historically accurate show and doesn't claim to be. It's more so historical fiction, using dates and events that really happened, but sometimes telling a more theatrical and entertaining story to go along with it. So, President and Miss Kennedy embarked on a European trip from May 30th through June 5th, 1961. Along the way, they were invited to stop for dinner at Buckingham Palace. And according to the White House Historical Association, it was the second time in 20th century that a U.S. president dined in Buckingham Palace, the first being Woodrow Wilson in 1918. Now, Jackie was already a little put off before the visit because she wanted to bring her sister Lee and her brother-in-law, Prince Bradswell. According to Town & Country, traditionally, divorcees were not invited to state dinners at Buckingham Palace. Stas was Lee's second husband. Lee was Stas's third wife, but the royals eventually relented and extended the invitation to Jackie's relatives. 
After all, this was only a banquet and not an official state dinner. But the queen had her revenge, at least according to Jackie's friend, writer Gore Vidal. Princess Margaret and Princess Marina, two attendees Jackie had specifically requested, were not invited to the party. Jackie apparently found the guest list less than scintillating. No Margaret, no Marina, no one except every Commonwealth Minister of Agriculture they could find, she reportedly told Vidal. Jackie also told him, I think the Queen resented me. Philip was nice but nervous. One felt absolutely no relationship between them. And that the Queen was pretty heavy going. And Cecil Beaton apparently said Jackie was unimpressed by the palace furnishings and by the Queen's dress and hairstyle. But according to many people in attendance, the dinner was lovely. President Kennedy even wrote a letter to the Queen for her birthday in which he thanked her for the wonderful hospitality. In my opinion, in the show, Jackie's comments seemed a bit nastier than these, though still jabs. Did Jackie really say all of this, and did the Queen know about it? Well, no one really knows. There's no evidence of the information ever getting back to the Queen like it did in the show, but it is true that Jackie visited her again without Jack in 1962 and didn't tell the press much about the visit, although that's not really unlike Jackie. All she said about their time together was, I don't think I should say anything about it except how grateful I am and how charming she was. There's also no evidence or anything about her mentioning drugs to the Queen or marital problems or anything like that, which leads me to personally believe this particular tidbit was just a storyline created by the Crown writers. Plus, I'm pretty positive Jackie and Queen Elizabeth are two of the most private women in the world, and I'm highly doubtful that anything of their conversations would ever leak. Moving on. Did the Kennedys mess up their introduction to the Queen? I couldn't find this answer anywhere, so because I couldn't, I'm going to say no. I believe that would have been heavily documented with reliable sources if it had happened, and I just couldn't seem to find this answer. Please DM me if you know the correct answer to this, because I'm human and may have missed it in my research. But as I said earlier, given their backgrounds, education, and respect for other cultures and traditions, I'm about 99% sure that they would have properly nailed their introductions to the Queen. Also in the episode, it's presented that Jackie and the Queen's tension and differences influenced the way the Queen handled foreign policy after the fact, and there's no evidence to support this at all. According to NBC News, historian Carolyn Harris said there is no evidence that the Queen traveled to Ghana in the aftermath of a rivalry with Jackie O. The Queen has taken her role as head of Commonwealth seriously and undertaken Commonwealth tours. In other words, Her Majesty did not go on a high-stakes diplomatic odyssey just to get back at the First Lady. Guys, I am so excited to share with you a company that I've teamed up with and I know you'll really love. History Hoard lets you experience the past firsthand by bringing you genuine small relics from history. Serving in World War II is such a huge part of JFK's story and overall such a monumental time in our history as a whole. Because I've studied and I love collecting things from that era, I got the World War II collection and I absolutely love it. With an incredible display and certificate of 100% authenticity, it's truly amazing to hold a piece of history in my hands. They also have items from other periods like the Civil War, the Golden Age of Piracy, Medieval Times, and even coins from ancient Rome. You can get your own World War II collection or one of the other many amazing artifacts by visiting www.historyhoard.com, which I'll link in the show notes, and use the code KENNEDYDYNASTY with no spaces to get 15% off your order. If you're listening to this podcast, then you probably love history. And if you love history, I'm telling you, you have to check this company out. So again, visit www.historyhoard.com. That's historyhoard.com. And use the code KENNEDYDYNASTY with no spaces to get 15% off. Happy shopping. So all in all, the crown embellished a lot, but there was some half-truths in there. Jackie did say some things. They did have a separate private meeting in 1962. There was a little bit of tension for a few different reasons, but it looks like overall the crown creators took some tidbits that are factual, like the use of Max Jacobson's medications that we know to be true, and spliced them together into the episode to make for one great episode packed with historical 
fiction. I also want to note, after the assassination, the royals showed great respect and honored President Kennedy very well. First, and this was in the show, Queen Elizabeth ordered for the Westminster bells to ring every minute between 11 a.m. and noon after the news of his death. Prince Philip attended his funeral, and according to Town & Country, in the years following JFK's death, the British government established the Kennedy Memorial Trust, which operates in two parts, a physical memorial in Runnymede, England, the site of the ceiling of the Magna Carta, and a scholarship for British postgraduates attending either Harvard or MIT. Jackie attended that ceremony with her brothers-in-law, Bobby and Ted Kennedy, and her children, Caroline, then seven, and John, then four. As they stood beside the memorial, John held his mother's hand on one side and Prince Philip's on the other. Here's Queen Elizabeth's speech from that day. Together with his family, had many ties with our country. He and they lived among us in that doom-laden period which led up to the outbreak of war. The experience of those days led him to write, when still a young man, a most perceptive analysis of the predicament in which Britain found herself. Ever after, he maintained a deep and steady interest in the affairs of this nation, whose history and literature he knew and loved so well. His elder brother, flying from these shores on a hazardous mission, was killed in our common struggle against the evil forces of a cruel tyranny. A dearly loved sister lies buried in an English churchyard. Bonds like these cannot be broken, and his abiding affection for Britain engendered an equal response from this side of the Atlantic. The unprecedented intensity of that wave of grief, mixed with something akin to despair, which swept over our people at the news of President Kennedy's assassination, was a measure of the extent to which we recognized what he had already accomplished, and of the high hopes that rode with him in a future that was not to be. of English soil is now bequeathed in perpetuity to the American people in memory of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy, who in death my people still mourn and whom in life they loved and admired. That's all for today's episode. I hope you learned something new. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube please check out my Patreon and consider helping out the podcast that way. All those links will be in the show notes. If you like the podcast, please rate it five stars and write a positive written review. Share with your history-loving friends and family, and I will talk to you guys next week. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Hello everyone, my name is Tom Kearns and I host the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, where I cover the history and culture of England from the departure of the Romans in the 5th century to the Norman Conquest in 1066. So far we've surveyed the collapse of Roman rule in Britain, the migration of the Anglo-Saxons and the history of Northumbria from its beginnings in the mists of legend to its destruction at the hands of Viking raiders in the 9th century. I hope you'll come and give it a go.